It may be the weekend, but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait, can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. the runners swinging a fly ball left field Pereira going back still going back it's gone bees win Jack Mayfield with a two-run homer to provide the exclamation point on a walk-off win for the bees 2-0 pitch Rojas lines it to right there it goes it's up there it's up there it's gone we're tied Jose Rojas five for five second home run of the a 9-9 score. Swing a high drive to deep right center field. Beckman going back. It's up there. It's out there and it's gone. Jose Rojas with his second homer in his many nights. And now the Bees have a 6-3 lead. Welcome into the Saturday show. Hope everybody's doing fantastic out there. Yakim Lundy along for the ride. Eric spinning the ones and twos, as it were, behind the glass over there. Hope you all are doing great out there, wherever you might be. Tune in on the Zone app, 97.5 FM, 1280 AM. We're live, we're on air, and we're having fun. Lundy, what's up, my friend? Oh, you know, just enjoying life. Excited to get another Saturday show rolling. I know, absolutely. Thanks for, uh, by the way, a big thank you to Austin Horton for filling in last week. Uh, I'm sure it was fun for him to be back in the saddle because he used to be like the the guy. The Saturday show yeah. guy. Yeah, so really cool to have him back. I was down in southern Utah and appreciate you guys filling in for me, but excited to be back behind the mic having some fun and got a lot to talk about today. Mm-hmm. We have Euro Championships. Uh, well, actually, Wimbledon just switched over on ESPN. So we've got tennis. We get the Euro, UEFA uh, Euro Championships in soccer. NBA playoffs are still going. Major League Baseball is rolling. As you heard Eric just play. We've had some fun times with the Bees this week. I know both Eric and uh, you have been producing games recently for Steve Klauke. And by the way, the the walk off home run call. You could hear it in Klauke's voice. He didn't think that thing was even going to go, and no. it just kept going. It was just like. It, yeah, it was one of those things where, and it, it's what makes him one of the best in the business, where he was just so excited. You could hear it in his voice. Yeah. It was just like, it, it made me pumped just yeah. listening to a highlight of it, you know, days later. Well, yeah, see, just, he, but the thing is, he starts the call and uh-huh. he's like, well, that one's out to the warning track, maybe. And oh, no, it's gone. <laughs> Bees win. <laughs> Clocky's the best, dude. I, 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 I love that guy. He, he deserves a bigger shot at a, at a like an MLB team I, I that's just my personal opinion on the matter but we are lucky to have him here in Salt oh, Lake uh, unbelievably lucky he is he is an incredible talent yeah he, he does a great job obviously they are back in action is it six o'clock tonight Eric yeah I think so six uh six o'clock against the Oklahoma City Dodgers and Steve Clowkey just one of my best friends just a really good dude he, he he's a great guy uh you know He's not just a great broadcaster. Great guy. You guys want a fun tidbit 100%. about Clowkey, by the way? He does not follow me on Twitter. Do you guys know why? He doesn't follow me on Twitter either. For good reason. Nobody should follow me on Twitter. <laughs> okay, fair enough. There's one specific reason. He's told me multiple times why he will not follow me on Twitter. What's that? It's because I tweet about soccer. 
<laughs> that's his reasoning. Yeah. He does not like that. That's the only downside of Steve Clark. He I, does not like soccer. <laughs> I, I don't know that he. I mean, I know that he doesn't follow me. I don't know that he even knows where he could find me if he wanted to follow me. He and, could find you really easy. You know, uh, you know I, as much as I would be honored to have Steve Clarky follow me, he would probably find zero value in anything <laughs> that I tweet because okay. there is zero value in anything that I tweet. Fair enough. But, hey, we're having fun anyways. Uh, you can follow Lundy at 24-7 Lundy. Interact with the show that way. I'm at Jacob C. Hatch, and Eric is at Eric18Utah, if I'm not mistaken. Yep, that's the one. Uh, I'd love to have you guys' feedback on whatever we're talking about today. Uh I honestly, thinking about this coming in today to do the show, I was trying to come up with like a quote-unquote question of the day, and the sports universe right now is so vast and so varied that I couldn't think of one specific one, but the one I kept coming back to, and I think will make this kind of the key part of the show, is name, image, and likeness in college sports, because obviously we are a market dominated outside the Utah Jazz by the college teams here locally. The University of Utah, BYU, Utah State, and to a lesser degree, Weber, Southern Utah, Dixie State, Snow, Slick, whatever university you happen to cheer for, they dominate this market. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. I want you guys' opinions, those of you listening out there, we'll get them from Lundy and Eric as well, what you think of the name, image, and likeness era that is here. Do you like the fact that student-athletes can now benefit from – autograph signings, doing endorsements, uh, showing up and doing appearances at various events. What are your guys' thoughts on that? We want your guys' interaction. You can use the Zone app. You can use the open mic feature, sending your take that way. It allows you to record 15 seconds of audio. Eric can pull that up and play it for us there in the producer's booth. And, of course, we want your guys' social media interaction as well. So kind of getting the show off the foot on that. But let's take a minute here, Lundy, and talk a little bit about the NBA. We have one side of the NBA Finals is set. That is the Phoenix Suns. They're going back to the Finals for the first time in 28 years. I remember the last time the Phoenix Suns were in the NBA Finals. The round mound of rebound, Charles Barkley himself. Uh, They lost to Michael Jordan's Chicago Bulls. Crazy thing, it's been that long. It's, It's unreal. And that's one of the things that has made this playoff so fun for me. I mean, I've said it multiple times on this show Mm -hmm. that just the unknown and the parody of the league this year has been awesome. I've loved that when it was the conference semifinals, even before the Phoenix Suns punched their ticket, that the most recent finals appearance by any of those four teams was the Phoenix Suns in 93 that you were just mentioning. Mm -hmm. Like, I just, I love that it's, you know, as it were, fresh blood in, in the NBA playoffs, even in the, in the conference semifinal or in the conference finals, the NBA semifinals. I'm just, ecstatic that for once I don't know who's going to win before the games are played because when the games are played for something and we we don't know what's going on it, it makes it so much more engaging yeah that 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 right there I think is the key point is it it really is uh, it, it's been fresh blood as you as you mentioned it really just we're looking at these teams so in the East, we have the Atlanta Hawks and the Milwaukee Bucks. So we're waiting to see how that one plays out. By the way, those of you who may not have heard, Giannis is not playing in tonight's game in Game 6. That is official. They've made that an announcement. It's my personal opinion. Based on how his knee hyperextended, I'd be stunned if, if they do make the finals, if he even plays in that. That's just my personal feeling on that. I don't. I have not seen anything on Trey Young. So we're, we'll see if anything comes out during our it show It is my about personal that. opinion. There you go. It's my first. <laughs> Nicely done. Look at you go, Eric. Well done, sir. 
No, that's okay. But <laughs> that's all right. All right. Uh, so, anyways, talking about this, the the Phoenix Suns, they are the team that has avoided injury by and large. I think we can all acknowledge the fact that injuries have plagued essentially every other team in these playoffs, and the, the injuries have been to star players. The biggest hit that the Phoenix Suns took was the fact that Chris Paul was out due to health and safety protocols for, what was it, two games? Something like that, yeah. Like, that is the biggest hit that they have taken. And there are people out there, and I've seen it on social media, who are saying, well, this is going to be the NBA playoffs that's marred by, it's going to be the injury playoffs, the injury championship. You know what? It takes good fortune to make the NBA Finals, plain and simple. You, you can get there. Like the Utah Jazz, they were no, the number one seed. They were dueling back and forth with the Suns for that number one seed. Both of them benefited from the fact that they had relatively healthy regular seasons, and the Suns to a larger degree because the Jazz lost Donovan Mitchell. They lost Mike Conley for stretches of that regular season. Now in the playoffs, what's happened? Phoenix has stayed healthy, and as such, they're awaiting who they're going to face in the NBA Finals. Yeah, you know, and sure, I, I, like, I understand the arguments, kind of like what you were saying. People are saying, you know, oh, it's marred by injury, this, that, and the other. But that's kind of just one of the storylines that makes it interesting for me because, look, every team had to play the same kind of schedule, right? You know, the everybody is facing the same dangers that make these injuries possible and even likely in yeah. some cases. And so while it's unfortunate to see injuries, and I never really want to, to see one happen to anybody, like it, it's not something that delegitimizes these playoffs for me at all because everybody's dealing with them to, to one extent or another. The, the Phoenix Suns got very lucky in that, like you said, Chris Paul in the health and safety, safety protocol. Um, Devin Booker now has to wear a mask because his nose was broken in three places. Um, it depends on the game, it feels like, because he's taking yeah. off in multiple games, too. Right. It just depends on how he's feeling and whether or not he wants to be able to see more than just the hoop, as he said. Sure. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's it's. I don't feel like this is something that... It, it's not like it's an unfair system, right? Like, this, it affects everybody. Yeah. And so everybody's going to have to make it. So this is when it comes down to okay how well have you built your team how well is your front office done in acquiring depth how well is your head coach done in building and fostering chemistry on the court and how well are your players doing at stepping up when those injuries happen and so to me i i'm perfectly okay with you know recognizing and having fun with these playoffs i know that some people are upset that oh well we don't get to see the superstars right we don't i don't understand why that should make it just non-existent like we play these games for more than just to see the best players in the world play yeah right i mean if it was only about the star players then we would give the trophy to any super team regardless if they had a winning or losing season well and the thing is that there are casual nba fans who are there for the star players right but i'm with you the the by and large People who are fans of the NBA, they want to see the best team claw their way to the title. And I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from Phoenix at all because I think they have been among the best, if not the best team. Right. It just so happens they've also stayed healthy and benefited from the fact that they are healthy. Yes, there are Jazz fans out there who are, and I'm going to be right there with them in many ways, saying had Mike Conley been healthy, that Clippers series probably is a different series. Oh, 100%. But, you know, 
if. Yeah. If, right? Ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. Yeah. <laughs> you know, if is good, but it's not the reality of what we're looking at. And so yeah. we can all sit here and speculate and wish. And, you know, speculation is a hell of a drug. But it's just, you know, the reality is that the Phoenix Suns stayed healthy. The Phoenix Suns are a great team, mm-hmm. even just barring other teams' injuries aside. I mean, they didn't finish with the second-best record in the NBA. It wasn't a fluke. Right. <laughs> That's you know, like, uh, people, 72 games. And see, the, the crazy thing about this, by the way, I need to note this. I saw this from Alex Kennedy earlier today. It says, the Phoenix Suns had by far the worst record in the NBA over a five-year span before heading to the NBA bubble last summer. Their total record over those five seasons, 113 wins against 280 losses. Robert Sarver's franchise had not gone to the playoffs for 11 years. They've had by far the best record in the NBA ever since. 71 wins, 25 losses. They flipped the script. Chris Paul has come in and been a revelation. Monty Williams has been awesome as their head coach. And he's he's just a great... Everything I understand about Monty Williams, I don't know him personally. He's got a great story. He's overcome a lot. And it's just crazy to think about that they flipped the script as heavily as they did. And they're now four wins away from winning their first NBA title in franchise history. Yeah, it's it, it really has been just spectacular to watch the turnaround. I mean, you know, I guess we kind of should have seen this coming when the Phoenix Suns went undefeated in the bubble. Well, I think a lot of people kind of, that's cute, guys. But yeah, yeah but maybe we should have well, been. I, yeah. I was one of those people where it was like, you know, I know people that are Phoenix Suns fans, and they were like, man, yeah, like, you better. And it was like, guys, like, they didn't make the playoffs. Like, it didn't matter that they won every game. Like, you don't get a prize for for winning the last stretch and still not getting in the playoffs. Like, that's just – but then here we are, and, it, you know, I – I was wrong. I didn't see it coming. Well, from I, I don't think clear you're back alone because I I, I kind of had a similar thought. Like, okay, great, you guys went eight and zero in the bubble. Whatever, are you in the playoffs over here? Oh no, okay. But I think that they and this is just my personal opinion on this with regards to the Suns. I think that they are a team who has really been very careful about building this roster and. They've had their stumbles, let's right. be honest. They had guys like Alex Len that they took in the top five. Uh, wh- what's the other guy's name out of Kansas? Um, ended up going to Memphis and then got like, demoted to the Memphis G League team. I, I, I'll, the name will come to me at some point here. So they've had their faults because they've been picking at the top of the draft for some time. Mm-hmm. They hit on Devin Booker. And the funny thing is the Jazz had a chance at Devin Booker and they picked Trey Lyles. That'll be one of the things I think many people look at and say, wow, what could have been? They also got DeAndre Ayton, and Ayton has finally come into his own. There were a lot of people thought he was another big man bust. He has come into his own this year and been marvelous. And by the way, Chris Paul, 36 years old, still getting it done. Props to you, sir. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, DeAndre Ayton has done a lot of crediting to Chris Paul for helping him become – because Chris Paul understands – I mean, you know, this is a phrase that's used often, uh, and I think it still applies to Chris Paul, where he's a coach on the floor. Oh, yeah. He he understands what's going along. He he knows not just what his role is, but what everybody else needs to be doing. And so he's been mentoring DeAndre Ayton, even though Chris Paul's never played big man. You know, he's probably never played five in his life, except for maybe if he's playing pickup with his kids. Um, probably. <laughs> and so, you know, he doesn't know from experience how to play the position, but he's been around a lot of other guys that do know how to play that position. He's been the position that feeds that position and so he's able to tell him okay position yourself here do these kinds of things we need you to run back on 
on the floor on this kind of scenario. And DeAndre Ayton has really blossomed because of Chris Paul and his his mentorship. And that's the thing about a guy like Chris Paul. He has been around so many different franchises, worked with so many different players, especially big men. And you're right. He has been instrumental in getting DeAndre Ayton to the level he's playing at. Who knows how long Chris Paul is going to play in Phoenix? We don't know. But I don't know how long he's going to continue playing his NBA career. It feels like right. at 36, like you're like, okay, dude, you how much more do you have? But it just seems like he just continues to get it done. Right. He And by the way, Chris Paul, there's one thing I will always respect about him is that that pick and pop, that, that, that jumper when he gets into the lane, that 15-footer right at the top of the key. Just at the elbow there. It is money. Never misses. And that's the thing. He he could probably do that for the next four or five years and just continue to get it done, it feels like. Yeah. It's 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 the kind of thing where every time I turn on a game and watch him play, like I feel like even though I have this reaction, I turn it on and I see him and it's just like, man, this guy's been in the league for forever. Like, how is this guy still on the floor? Well, and then he pulls up and hits a shot and I go, man, he's good. It feels okay. Eric, you may be too young for this, but the Chris Paul versus Darren Williams debate. (laughs) Chris Paul and Darren Williams were connected at the hip. I can remember being a Jazz fan and saying, no, Darren Williams, he's got this, he's got the size, he's got this. Well, it feels like Darren Williams retired eons ago. Forever ago. And CP3 still over here getting it done. Right. He's still an all-star. And it's not just because of his past accomplishments. It's because of what he's doing right now that he's an all-star. And, you know, yeah, I remember, like you, I remember... The, they got drafted pretty close to each other, and there was just that constant back and forth as to who was better. And, you know, from this perspective, living in Utah, watching the Jazz, cheering for the Jazz, it was always very biased where it was <laughs> – it seemed like every time they played head-to-head, Darren Williams came away looking like the better player. Yeah. And so at the time it was like, why is this even a debate? It's clearly Darren Williams. Well, you know – Hindsight's twenty twenty, and it, no, it clearly was not Darren Williams the, because the longevity ag- aspect of it, yeah, it belongs to CP three. Yeah, it's, there's no doubt about that. It just it's crazy to think about, and I for one, I'm rooting for the the Phoenix Suns, and mm-hmm. I so I actually was talking to a friend of mine who was big Jazz fan, and he said, "How can you root for the Suns? They're they're in the West. They're going to get their first. I'm like, sue me. I I I I like the way that team is constructed, and there are a lot of people. And by the way, if you guys are out there. I know there's a bunch of you who do not like CP3 because he has been an antagonist for many, many years in the in the NBA and especially to the Utah Jazz because he has not forgotten all of those debates with regards to Darren Williams and him early on in their career. Right. And, you know, that's one of the big accomplishments in my mind this season for CP3 is prior to this year, I was one of those people that could not stand to watch him play. And yet this year, I find myself, whenever I am watching him play, just constantly going, man, he is really good. And it's just kind of like, it it feels weird and kind of almost dirty for me to be like (laughs) watching him and enjoying myself while I'm watching him because he's, he is playing at a high level and it's fun. I'm like, I have a good time when I watch the Phoenix Suns play and it it feels wrong and I feel like I should apologize for that. You need to repent. Yeah. (laughs) But I'm not going to because they're still in. Yeah, they they're playing well. Um, one thing before we hit our first break here, Alex, let's, let's bring this like, closer to home with the Utah Jazz. The one thing, and David Locke brought this up with DJ and PK yesterday. I've been thinking about it ever since he said it. And he said that the the biggest thing he wants to see from the Jazz is them developing roster versatility. 
And what he meant by that is being able to play in different ways. And it felt like at points this year the Jazz had different ways they could play, but in the playoffs we all kind of saw that they really only had the one way that they were built for. And he wants to see them try and develop just a roster versatility. And he mentioned the fact that the Suns, before he's like, I know there are going to be Suns fans out there who are going to get on me about this. The Suns very much have an identity. They have one way that they play by and large. But he says they have enough versatility to to work around that. Dario Saric, for example, is their backup five. He is not DeAndre Aiden. There's no, no doubt about that. But it's a different way to play, and it's been something that's beneficial for them. So he wants to see them develop that. And I've been kind of thinking about that ever since he mentioned it yesterday with David and Patrick. And it really makes a lot of sense because – I, for one, thought that the Jazz had multiple ways to play, but the playoffs, I think, revealed that two things in my mind. They need to have that roster versatility where they can play with different formations, different styles, but also they need an upgrade in athleticism on the wing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I agree 100% with you, and I agree 100% with David, where it, like, you know, it, it may have seemed like the Jazz had a lot of versatility in the ways to play, but really I think what it was is the fact that they – you know, the Jazz identity this past season was we're going to play our version of basketball and we're Mm -hmm. going to force you to play our version of basketball. And when somebody would do something different, sometimes it would catch the Jazz off guard, but then they'd find a new way to identify what the other team was doing and then still play their version of basketball while stopping whatever that team was doing. And so it felt like they had versatility because it was, oh, okay, they're used to this look now. But in reality, they didn't make adjustments because they couldn't make adjustments they had one way of playing and that was what did them in against the clippers was the clippers the jazz couldn't force them to play jazz basketball yeah the the, the clippers imprinted their style on the series yeah very much that was the case and see and okay and the one other thing on this we got to hit a break here in just a moment is the whole argument for developing that roster versatility i'm all for it but I'm also concerned, and th- I think this is going to be something that Justin Zanuck now takes over as the chief decision maker in the front office for the Utah Jazz as the GM with Dennis Lindsay still playing a role as a, a consultant here, is that you need to start hitting on draft picks and finding the guys on the wing. I know there are a lot of people out there who are were mighty upset about Udoka Azubuki's pick last year. Trust me, I've seen it all over social media, especially in the aftermath of what happened here with the shakeup in the front office. The problem I foresee is that the Jazz, everybody wants what they're looking for. Now, can you go find another diamond in the rough? They got Donovan Mitchell at number, was it it 13, 14? Something like that. When the Nuggets took him. You got Rudy Gobert at 27. The Jazz under Dennis Lindsay have done a pretty decent job at finding talent in the back half or the middle part of the draft, and they're going to be in the back half again this year. Can you find somebody? And also, can the young guys who are on this roster, I'm thinking of Elijah Hughes, I'm thinking of Mieone, I'm thinking of if Trent Forrest sticks around. I don't know what Trent Forrest, he's on a two-way deal, so he obviously he's going to be a restricted free agent and have, I'm sure, opportunities. Can those guys take the step forward and give that versatility to the Jazz? that is going to be a major key to any success moving forward, I feel like, for the Jazz, especially if they want to go further in the playoffs. Yeah, for sure. You know, yeah, I mean, if it were easy to find diamonds in the rough, everybody would be out in the rough looking for diamonds, right? Yeah. That's just, like, they're not there (laughs) very often. And so it is difficult, and, you know, a lot of fans are going to be upset when, you know, if the Jazz draft somebody that they think can be that, you know, that stretch for that wing defender, mm-hmm. and that person doesn't pan out, 
then a lot of the fans are going to, you know, get their they, their feathers are all ruffled and things like that. And yeah, you know, I can't really say that I blame them, but I also Crazy. understand. <laughs> I also understand, you know, that it's it's not the easiest thing to do. You know, you have to evaluate, like you said, the talent that you currently have. Do mm -hmm. do we have anybody that can fit this? If we don't, can we draft somebody that can fix fix? you know, fit this position. And hope that somebody else doesn't see it in that right. athlete. Yeah. And take it first. Yeah. And, you know, if we can't do either of those things, are we able to shop around? Are we able to make some trades? Are we able to sign some people? Like, you know, it's it's a job that I'm not envious of because <laughs> it's it's something that I definitely don't know how to do. I mean, you know, I can sit here and say, well, yeah, go sign if I were somebody. On the radio, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> Well, just go do this. All right. Yeah, sure. It's really easy to say that. It's a whole different And this is just my personal opinion. It. I could be very wrong about this. I probably <laughs> am very wrong about it. But well, that, see, but you, you bring up a very good point. Is There's some interesting times ahead for the Utah Jazz, and we'll continue to cover it. Obviously, the shows during the week, DJ and PK, Hans and Scotty, the big show, they'll have that covered. We'll cover it here on the Saturday show. We'll talk about it. The draft is at the end of this month, so we're going to see what happens with that. And Justin Zanuck, Got a lot on his plate as he carries the Jazz into a new era. It'll be very interesting to see what he, kind of his imprint is here. He's been, he's been a key part of it, yes. but it's been Dennis Lindsay's Jazz. It's now Xanax Jazz, and we'll see what happens with Jay-Z. All right, coming up next, we'll kind of kick off our conversation about name, image, and likeness. If you guys have thoughts on it, you have questions, concerns, whatever it might be revolving around name, image, and likeness for the local college teams or just co the college athletic sphere, the universe itself, let us know at 24-7 Lundy, at Jacob C. Hatch, at Eric18Utah. You also can use the Zone Sports Net, our show, on our show, our station Twitter feed as well. Send it there, and we'll make sure to get at them on the air. That's all coming up next right here on the Saturday Show. Whether you're stuck at the mall, in the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, We've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show. Yak and Lundy along for the ride this afternoon here on the Zone Sports Network. A big thank you to all of you for tuning in. Hope you guys are doing great. Weather up and down the Wasatch Front, absolutely wonderful. It's 4th of July weekend. Uh, I'm sure people out there are going to be at fireworks shows, barbecuing, all that fun jazz. Lundy, what do you got for your 4th of July? What are your plans? Uh, you know, I usually spend a lot of time with family. Um, I also, you know, my own personal celebrations. I usually pop in a movie and watch, you know, just when it's like the really gross hot time of the day. Sure. And you don't want to be outside as much, you know standing over a hot grill like you know save that for like other times you know earlier in the day or later in the day no doubt. but I, I tend to pop in a movie um for a long time it was star wars a new hope okay I like that was it. my fourth of july movie because you know it's the story of america's founding if it happened a long time ago in a galaxy far far away <laughs> uh, however i've i've recently transitioned I've, okay. I've i've left the star wars realm and july 4th is what i used to kick off my Marvel Cinematic Universe rewatch, and so I start with ah. Captain America, the first Avenger, which feels a little bit more true to the, uh, you yeah. know, spirit of the the holiday. That works, yeah. Red, so. white, and blue, Mister. The yeah, I, I I'm with you on that. That's actually a pretty good one. Uh, by the way, you are wearing an absolutely marvelous shirt. I know Eric <laughs> can see it, nobody else can, but that is a great, great shirt. A big old bald eagle. We need to get it. 
Can we find a bald eagle scream drop, you think, Eric? Yeah, I'll work on Let's it. Let's see if we can find one on. That'd be good. Uh, so anyways, but fun weekend ahead. I'm looking forward to it. I'm going to a fireworks show tonight, and should be fun. My kids are, by the way, fireworks, they're just like, this is awesome. So Fireworks are one of those things that, like, I can't explain. Like, I've tried to think about yeah. why I enjoy them. I'm with you, though. I can't explain it. Like, there's no, re- like, I could write out everything about fireworks on paper, and on paper, it shouldn't be something that's <laughs> enjoyable. It draws you in, though. But a fireworks show is one of the coolest things ever. Like, it's just, you know, stuff that's exploding. And it's, I mean, I guess if we put it that way, that makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, just watching things blow up. Um, but it just, it, it kind of drags you in because you're just enthralled yeah. by it. I, I can just sit there and just watch. It's just great. You're just like, oh, this is relaxing. Watching yeah. things blow up in the sky. As, as long as, you know, I, I do get a little bit picky sometimes with the fireworks shows. If that you know, like the the soundtracks that they use, sure, because you know, like I want it to be patriotic and things. Yes. There we go. You know, like I want to hear and feel that eagle screech, and you know, I get that Katy Perry is singing about fireworks, <laughs> but yeah. it's not the same as you know. It's not a patriotic song. Sure, I, I'm it's, with you on that. So, like, don't, don't, don't put Katy Perry in my fireworks displays. Save Katy Perry for another time because I do, I do have a soft spot for certain songs of hers. Sure, um, you know, guilty pleasures and whatnot. But don't, I don't want it in my fireworks show. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. But having a lot of fun today, of course. If you guys, also by the way, if you guys have your plans for the Fourth of July, great ideas, what you're grilling, whatever, let us know. Eric, what do you got going on this weekend? I think I'm heading back home to see some family. I don't know if they're actually. We're not. I'm big into Fourth of July, but they're not so much. Okay. I'll, uh, you know, I don't know, do something, hang out outside, maybe go see a. I, I'm kind of. I'm a curmudgeon. I, I I don't really. The fireworks stuff kind of bugs me. I like to get to bed at like around eleven on before oh, so you, you don't you don't like the explosions so, waking you I'm, up? I'm not really a big fan of that and it feels like the state could like entirely be on fire by monday so there is um, there is that concern so uh yeah but i mean i love the fourth of july i like being outside i'll probably uh have a few sodas and other beverages and uh you know enjoy the grilling and uh yeah it'll be a good time but uh, I am also slightly afraid that I'll be back here Monday doing the bees. So uh, that that could also happen. So uh-huh. I, I'm going to take it as it comes. But uh, uh, 4th of July is always a fun time. It is. It is a fun time. There's no doubt about that. So like I said, if you guys have what you, your plans want to share them with us, we'd love to get you guys' interaction in that regard as mm-hmm. well. Specifically but, what you're going to have on your grill. Yeah. That's what I. That's where, that's where my interest primarily lies. I want to know what's on your grill. If you can tweet me pictures, even better. <laughs> it's always good, too. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. All right, let's talk a little about name, image, and likeness here, Lundy. Uh, this week, uh, the NCAA putting in what they're, they're terming currently are interim rules regarding name, image, and likeness. They're hoping that uh, Congress, the United States Congress, both House Representatives and the United States Senate, will pass a federal bill that will, I guess, implement actual rules or permanent rules regarding name, image, and likeness. I have my 
uh, doubts that a bipartisan agreement will come in any uh, short fashion with regards to that. But what has kind of been your thoughts here as we see this new era opening up? We're seeing players all of a sudden signing all kinds of sponsorship deals. I think I saw Spencer Rattler uh, is now being like the spokesman for Raising Canes. So some fun stuff like that's already happening. Yeah, you know what? And it should have been happening for a long time, in my opinion. It's, it's about time that we finally got something in here because, you know, the NCAA has been pounding its chest saying we need to protect amateurism for so long. But here's the thing. The Olympics run on an amateur model. Yep. Yet, if you were to follow the Olympic version of amateurism, you were no longer eligible for the NCAA. Correct. And that doesn't make sense to me to say, you're competing at the highest level, so we are no longer allowing you to compete at our level. Like, what? Yeah. What are we... And it's not like this takes any money out of the pocket of the NCAA anyway, right? Yep. Like... If anything, it brings more exposure to their product, and they're able to that. I mean, the rising tide raises all boats, and so I don't understand why it's taken so long. I'm glad that we finally got here with the NCAA being dragged kicking and screaming into this new era, but it's. I think it's it's about time, and I think this is a very positive thing for for college athletics. And see, the poster child for what you're describing was Jeremy Bloom for me. I had to look up his name there. Former Colorado standout Buffalo uh, football player. Also was a participant in, I believe, is it two different Olympics? In the Winter Olympics, Winter Olympic Games as a skier. Well, he started taking endorsement money because in the Olympics, you're allowed to endorse products and whatnot that mm-hmm. can help you while you train for your sport over here. But as you mentioned, the fact that he took that endorsement money made him ineligible according to NCAA guidelines. It became a whole big issue. And he eventually, I think, was declared ineligible by the NCAA. He went on to play for a time in the NFL, was drafted. But the new era here, you're right. The NCAA has been dragged kicking and screaming into this because California got it started with the first passage of a bill with name, image, and likeness being eligible for their athletes. I think we're up to 24 states who have uh, passed legislation or expected to pass it. The state of Utah is not among them. The last conversation I had with a state legislator in this state was that there was nothing that was currently on the docket, and obviously nothing would be passed until the next time the Congress got together next January. But funny enough, with the current rules as implemented by the NCAA, the state of Utah doesn't need to do anything now. No. It, it opens it up. So these, these athletes, whether the University of Utah, Utah State, BYU, Weber State, Southern Utah, they can now, Dixie State as well, they can all benefit from their name, image, and likeness. And there are a lot of people out there, and trust me, this debate has been raging on and on all week long, saying, well, it's not going to benefit these athletes all that much. There, there's just not that much money out there. I'm like, okay, any money is better than zero money. Right. And if it's not going to benefit them, why are we against it? Yeah. Like, like if it's not going to change anything, then what's the problem? Why not say, okay, let's try it? Sure. You know? Give it a shot. That's the biggest thing. And I'm looking forward to this. And my, my biggest qualm with the whole deal was that coaches are being paid millions of dollars. The NCAA right. is making billions with a B on the right. backs of these athletes. And there's one group in this entire conversation who has been getting essentially – Trust me, I understand the whole argument of them having a scholarship, the stipends they're getting, all that stuff. But when it's a billion-dollar industry, they should benefit from it as well. And that's why I'm looking forward to this. If you're going to make billions of dollars off of them, they should be able to get a cut of that pie. Absolutely. And, you know, there is. I have heard a lot of people give their arguments against it, saying, well, it's just going to 
create all of these issues, all of these problems. You know, people are going to, you know, start paying all of these students to come to these schools and things like that. I want to kind of clear some things up because I think that people have this misunderstanding about NIL and what it is and what it isn't. Mm -hmm. What it isn't is just opening the floodgates and saying any and all money you're now allowed to receive. Yeah. Um, on the athletic, uh, you know, they've done a good job of compiling all of the different kinds of things that are in there. Um, they have how college athletes are prohibited from making money in this system. So there are still rules. Uh, there's no quid pro quo, so they can't be compensated for work that's not performed. Mm -hmm. uh, there's no compensation that's contingent on initial or continued enrollment at a school. So recruits cannot be paid to attend an institution, and they can't be paid to stay there and avoid the transfer portal. Uh, there's no compensation that is contingent on an athlete's performance or achievement. An athlete's NIL value might be enhanced by performance, but an athlete cannot have any financial incentive based on points scored. Etc. Yeah, there's no pay for play. Here. Right. Um, college athletes cannot receive benefits that are inconsistent with institutional policies. And we all saw BYU this week. Exactly. Raked over the coals for the. Yeah. Well, that has to be with the honor code. What they can't endorse coffee? You ever read the BYU honor code, anybody? Yeah. <laughs> and and it's 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 explicitly stated here. Yeah. Like, if BYU were to allow that, they'd actually be in violation. Yeah, they would be in violation. And, so, and Utah State also came out with their parameters. And the only thing that Utah State's different from BYU on is, yeah, coffee's okay. You can endorse yeah. coffee. Um, and then lastly, the, the last prohibited thing. Athletes cannot wear an athletic brand on the field that does not represent the financial deal an institution has with another athletic apparel company. Fair Which enough. Which makes sense. Yeah. So, you know, but things that they can make money with. Social media, sponsored posts and advertisements, autograph sales, YouTube channels and Twitter videos, private training lessons, merchandise, endorsement deals, and, you know, a few other things that aren't mentioned here specifically. So it's not limited to just that. But, you know, this isn't just a free-for-all. This isn't something that they say, well, just anybody and everybody can throw money at these athletes to do whatever they say. No, there are still things that they can be recruiting violations, you know. And I sure. think as well, you know, a lot of people think that, well, the big, the Alabamas of the world, the Texases of the world, they're going to get all of the, you know, this is going to funnel even more people to them. I actually kind of disagree because prior to this, uh -huh. you know, if they were making a little bit of money under the table, then sure, they'd go there and they'd sit on the bench. But now they can make money legally yeah, where they don't get in trouble. They, their career is not in jeopardy if they get found out. And they can get playing time. And that's right there is the biggest thing is you need to if you want to benefit from this you need to be on the field right the third string offensive tackle okay sure some restaurant locally who you become good friends with the owner may hook you up with some meals or some 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 extra money to walk around with but if you really want to make big money you got to be on the field so I'm with you in that regard that there are going to be guys yeah who may go to Alabama initially but then find themselves second or third string on the depth chart or like. Well, I want to get what that guy's getting. I'm going to play over here. Mm -hmm. Or if they're smart enough, even in the lead-up to signing day, they're trying to figure out where they're going to college, they have the thought, okay, where can I be best utilized? Where can I be best featured? Where can I find the most, quote-unquote, screen time? Mm -hmm. That way I can cash in on this. Right. The money's available everywhere now, and legally so. There's still probably going to be some illegal 
deals going on, yeah. you know, under the table, you know, oh, absolutely. We're paying you to come it's here. It's the because... NCAA has been happening since literally they started the foundation. Right. Yeah. And so, I mean, it's been happening before. It's going to continue to happen now. Um, if they get found out, they may or may not get punished, depending on how big the school is and how profitable they are. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now you can go and say, you know, what's more valuable to you? A little bit of money and riding the bench or the same or more money and being able to play. Yeah, that and see, I'm I'm interested in that. And by the way, one final note on this: we'll we'll continue this conversation. We're gonna have comments from both John Hartwell as well as Tom Homo, uh, Utah State's athletic director, as well as BYU's athletic director. We'll get to those in the one o'clock hour. I'll let you hear a little bit. They were on the Zone Sports Network earlier this week. I'll let you hear some of their comments on how they're navigating this new world with name, image, and likeness. The one other thing I want to note here locally for these athletes is that Utah is very much a social media heavy state. Yes. There's just like there's like almost this intrinsic understanding of how to promote oneself. And whether that's good or bad, you can have that opinion, but I think it's going to benefit these athletes here locally. That's just my personal opinion on the matter. Um one note before we go here, Scooter Burke, our a longtime listener, says he is going to the Stadium of Fire tonight in Provo down there at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. Have some fun. I think is it Lee Greenwood and Colin Ray. I think are the sounds headliners right. for Stadium of Fire this yeah, year. Yeah, I'd have to look it up, but that sounds right to me. As a guy who grew up uh, stone's throw away from LES, uh, I tell you this fireworks show down there they do a pretty good job with that. All right. Anyways, uh, coming up next, we will get the technical fouls. We'll round out the one uh, the noon o'clock, the noon o'clock hour, twelve o'clock hour. <laughs> that was a gaff. Anyways, we'll get to that next. Coming up right here on the Zone Sports Network. <laughs> In the yard, or making a quick trip to the home improvement store, we've got your back. It's gonna be May. This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. If you're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet, that's a technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Besides a technical foul, you will feel my wrath. Besides a technical foul. Personal foul, 69, offense. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. that time oh there we go all right it is that time it's technical foul time here on the saturday show rewarding the people who have been uh dumb in sports or even beyond that a little bit uh lundy where are we going this week to kick things off so i want to start with a you know part of a story i don't want to get into the main story itself okay um but there's been a lot going on with trevor bauer sure um in mlb i don't really want to get too much into that side of it because you know Let's just suffice it to say Trevor Bauer is being investigated for sexual assault allegations. Um, it's a gross story. Let's We're not going to talk about Anyway, so all of that came out. Um, and before Thursday night's game, Dave Roberts, the Dodgers manager, um, was kind of asked about the situation. And Dave, Dave Roberts said that Trevor Bauer is with the team in Washington, D.C. right now and that at the time, they were planning on letting him start Sunday's game. And he said their direction was not to do anything until they got guidance from from Major League Baseball. Mm-hmm. And his quote was, it's out of our hands. <laughs> the manager of the Dodgers, who is one of his players, is being investigated for something. It's out of our hands. We have to let him start. Are you hey, kidding me? Phrasing. Like, <laughs> I, I just don't. 
Like, the manager of the Dodgers. And a half hour later, he released an adjusted lineup for that night's game. Yeah. So, you very much – it your hands are very much in control of who starts and who doesn't. So, why not take Trevor Bauer out of this when – you know, thankfully – Major League Baseball stepped in and said, "Okay, he's on a, you know, a, a seven-day leave. He will not be starting while this investigation plays out." So, you know, kudos to Major League Baseball for doing the right thing. But technical foul on Dave Roberts and the Dodgers for, like, well, we don't have control over our roster. Yeah, like, well, who does then? Yeah, who who exactly is in control of your team? Like, who you you are the manager. Like, you make the roster decisions right. here. It's just yeah, such it's, a cop out. Yeah, thing. That, yeah. Rid- ridiculous on that front. All right, I got one here, guys, and this one's kind of interesting to me. I'm not sure where the technical foul lies, if there is one that lies here. But uh, so, of course, the Olympics are upcoming. Uh, athletes are getting ready to head to Tokyo. Well, uh, there are uh, there's skulls. It's part of the sailing portion of the Olympics. It's a two uh, person event where they're in a boat together. Well, apparently Amanda Bateman, uh, she has been uh, quote here. She's been visualizing the Tokyo Olympics for years. The sights, the sounds, the smell, smells, everything. But she never saw herself here, rowing with a new partner in a weed-ridden, crocodile-filled river in regional Queensland, Australia, to get ready for the event. And anybody who knows anything about crocodiles in Australia, they are terrifyingly large. As Everything in Australia. It's short, is like, yes. Everything and anything there is specifically designed to kill you effectively <laughs> and painfully. Um, like, do they not have so non-crocodile infestation? Like, can they not do this anywhere else? Have, like a they're, pool or something? They're currently training on the Fitzroy River, which sits in the heart of central Queensland's crocodile country. The reason why is apparently... This river kind of mimics the rivers that they're going to be uh, sailing on in Tokyo, in addition to being on the same uh, time zone as Tokyo. So here's my question. (laughs) You know how they have those, like, infinite pools Uh where you can just swim and swim and swim? There's a current... Can they not do that for the rowing team? Do we have to have crocodiles involved in this? You'd think so. And there's actually a picture here of a 5.2 meter crocodile, and a meter is what just over three feet, so it's nearly 20 feet long. Jeez. Sitting on this trailer in Queensland that was uh, shot and killed in 2017. Oh my gosh! These crocodiles are terrifying. Like, okay, I get the idea. Okay, let's get on the same type of river and let's get on the same like time zone blah, blah 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 but crocodiles i mean i guess like i get it where it's you know if you can if you can sail safely through crocodiles and like <laughs> set a world record you can do it in the you know if you it's the if you can dodge a wrench it's, you can dodge a dodgeball. ball man yeah it's m- mentality i guess so yeah. sure i'm you know australia you you guys you do you it's just so funny. Uh, by the way, Rosie Popa or Papa is her school's uh, sailing partner. Uh, speaking of Bateman, who we mentioned earlier, Amanda Bateman. Uh, Papa's parents are bronze medalists in sailing uh, from the 1980s, I believe. So there you go. Just <laughs> All right. Yeah, so that river was chosen again due to its similarities to the climate and time zone in Tokyo. Okay. But apparently they couldn't train one of the days because high... high is a hyacinth, uh, it's a waterborne, it's like a weed. It took over the river. It just grew so Jeez. much they couldn't even sail that day. So, God, whatever. You, you do your thing. But yeah. 
I'm not going in with Crocs. I'm just nope. telling you that much. All right, so there you go. Eric, you got anything for us? Yeah, just uh, briefly, very okay. briefly. Uh, Tour de France lady who knocked down all of the bicyclists. Way to go. Technical fouls on you, and uh, loved your sign. Is she the one that was that hilarious. The sign out there, like, uh, you know. Do you know what that sign said, Lundy? I'm trying to remember. Uh, it was like, shout out to my grandma and grandpa. <laughs> when she actually disappeared for a little bit, and they, they couldn't caught her fi- finally. They finally caught her, but they, could, they, they were afraid for a minute she'd slip the country. Oh, man. All right, so there you go. Technical fouls for this week. And, yeah, just be careful around crocodiles in Australia because, as Lundy says, everything in that country feels like it can kill you, plain and simple. All right, coming up next, uh, you'll hear from both John Hartwell, Utah State Athletic Director, as well as Tom Homo, BYU Athletic Director, their thoughts on name, image, and likeness they made earlier this week on the Zone Sports Network. That's coming up next right here on the Saturday Show. The Top 60 and 60 is back on the Zone Sports Network. Get your college football fix every day at 1.30 as the Zone counts you down to the start of the 2021 season by listing off the top 60 players in the state of Utah as voted on by the local media. You'll also hear from the coaches as they talk about the players that will impact their season the most. It's the Top 60 and 60, weekdays at 1.30. Presented by Cypress Credit Union and ICON. On your home of the the best college football coverage in Utah. 975-1280 the zone in the Zone Sports Network. The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday show on 975-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday Show, Hour 2 of the program underway now. Yawk and Lundy along for the ride. Hope you guys are having a great 4th of July weekend wherever you might be. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about name, image, and likeness here, and I'm looking forward to this, but I wanted to answer a question quick that came in from our good friend Scooterberg. He says, are the Utah Jazz going to have an NBA draft party at Vivint Arena this year? Uh, I'm assuming so, Scooter, but I have not heard anything officially. Yeah, I, I haven't heard anything either. I think it would be a lot of fun. Yeah, I hope so, but we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, we'll have to wait and see. All right, so let's continue our conversation about name, image, and likeness now. We're going to let you guys hear, uh, you the listeners, hear from two uh, parts of two interviews that were conducted on the Zone Sports Network earlier this week. John Hartwell is the athletic director up at Utah State University in Logan. Tom Homo is the BYU athletic director down there in Provo. Both of them appeared on the station earlier this week, Hartwell with Hans and Scotty, uh, Homo with uh, DJ and PK in the morning, and just kind of a heads up, those of you Utah fans feeling a little left out, Mark Harlan is scheduled to join DJ and PK next week. So just be aware of that. Uh, but let's start now uh, with John Hartwell's comments. Uh, he was with Hans and Scotty talking a little about what the nuances of NIL and how to kind of navigate this as a university. Yeah, so so it's interesting because uh, as as a lot of your listeners uh, have have been following this to some extent, uh, you've you've got some individual states, including uh, New Mexico, where uh, there's legislation that is going into effect tomorrow that that in essence allows name, image, and likeness and. You know, the NCAA basically came out last week and said, well, hey, there's no uh, uniform uh, 
legislation out there, whether at the NCAA level or at the, uh, you know, at the federal level through Congress. And so we're going to adapt kind of a hybrid, you know, those states that, that have legislation that goes into effect tomorrow. Uh, those are the guidelines you got to follow. Those that don't have that legislation, which uh, our great state of Utah does not, uh, it's a little broader parameter. So, um, you know, it, it's none of us have all of the answers. This is uh, this is waiting in, in new waters for all of us. And, you know, it's uh, I hate to say it's a, a trial and error thing. But, uh, you know, what what we're trying to do here at Utah State is is put some pretty broad parameters on it. Uh, while, you know, I, I think the. The thing that's really important for all of us to do is to protect the amateur model of collegiate athletics, trying to allow, you know, student athletes to to have opportunities at, at making money uh, that other students have the ability to do, while at the same time still protecting the amateurism of it. And, oh, by the way, you know, you've got this whole thing about uh, donor and booster involvement and and how how do we uh, keep it from going off the rails in terms of it becoming the wild wild west and you know anybody can you can do anything you want to so uh, there there's a lot to uh, lot to unwrap there and you know every uh, and, and we've had countless meetings about it uh, continue to to evolve in our process in fact uh, got another one this afternoon with the uh, you know, my executive staff and then our university legal counsel as well, trying to make sure that those parameters are there. And I think no matter what any institution does or no matter what any state law or federal legislation does, there are going to be one-offs and nuances that we're all going to have to, to figure out, you know, over the course of the next few months. With all the unknown of it, it, it opens up so many questions, John, and I, I think it, it is only – creating more confusion for me and Scotty just trying to figure this out. I, I want to set a scenario and, and, and kind of get your thoughts on this. Let's say, you know, I'm a big recruit coming out of Idaho, uh, one of Idaho's tops and, and on the top of your list, and I come into Logan. Logan's got a lot of great companies. I think Icon Fitness is up there. I, I love Cash Valley Cheese. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of their cheese. Let's say <laughs> I come in as a recruit, and I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm signed, and – can let's say Cash Valley Cheese comes to me and says, "Hey, we we want you to be a spokesperson for us, or we want you to rep our gear, and we're going to give you ten thousand dollars a year to do so." Starting tomorrow, am, am I able to am I able to take that money? I don't know. and and start representing Cash Valley Cheese. So he, here are the nuances to that, uh, and so um, let's just say this this prized recruit from or signee from Idaho uh, is named John Doe. John Doe could theoretically do that, but if John Doe is a Utah State signee uh, or student athlete, John Doe could not do that in Utah State apparel. Um, you know, that that's and, – and that's – as of today, there, there's still some question about that, about how that goes forward. But John Doe, student athlete, uh, standing on their own, you know, without, you know, just wearing generic clothes, could do that. Uh, John Doe 
in Utah State apparel uh, could not necessarily do that. Uh, and that, that's one of the things that, you know, the NCAA has tried to say is, is hey, you, you cannot, uh, you know, utilize your university's marks as part of this. So, so that's one component of it. The other component is, um, you know, is Cash Valley Cheese, is that a corporate sponsor of Utah State? Uh, you know, and if, if that individual gets $10,000, then is, is uh, Cash Valley Cheese going to come back to Aggie Sports Properties, who does our, you know, uh, multimedia rights? So are they going to come back to them and said, you know, again, and, and this is all hypothetical, well, instead of paying you $50,000 a year, instead of paying Aggie Sports Properties $50,000 a year uh, for corporate sponsorships, that's all we have in our budget in total. We're paying John Doe 10000 so we're only going to pay you 40000 which obviously would have a financial impact on, on the athletic department. So there, there are wow, a lot of nuances to, to work out with that. And, you know, that's one example. The whole other example you know, we are a, uh, a a Nike school, so across all of our teams, we wear Nike apparel and footwear. If all of a sudden, you know, you have John Doe come in and he, you know, ever since, uh, you know, AAU days of 7th, 8th, ninth grade, he's been uh, outfitted in Adidas apparel, and he says, hey, I want to wear Adidas apparel. Obviously, Nike would have a challenge with, you know, an issue with that. And, and arguably, if you're uh, uh, most marquee student athlete or one of your most marquee student athletes is wearing something different than what, um, you know, the, the institution's uh, footwear and apparel agreement is, uh, that could cause some challenges, too. So all of those things are, are examples of, of Again, waters we have not navigated, and we're going to have to uh, wade our way through that. There you go, John Hartwell. And very interesting to hear him talk about that. And there will be things to navigate, as he says, because the apparel deals are going to be a massive issue because Nike schools, Adidas schools, Under Armour schools, uh, whatever it might be. But I have one qualm with what he's talking about. The whole Cash Valley hypothetical, the Cash Valley cheese hypothetical. Well, if we have a $50,000 deal and they say, well, we're only going to give 10000 to this athlete, only 40000 to us. I don't, okay. I have a hard time feeling bad for the institutions in this regard because it's my personal opinion. I think Cash Valley cheese will find money for both. And you take what you get. You're, you're, are you going to go burn that bridge with that? corporate sponsor over them potentially cutting up the pie a little more right you know and it's it's the kind of thing where look i i and i would understand from the university side if it were in the middle of a contract sure where they said well we're actually not going to pay you this anymore but i know that they you know like if they're contractually bound then obviously the university is just going to flex that contract and be like no you still owe us you have to you know if you want to pay him ten thousand you got to do it on top of that um, but if it comes time and they're renegotiating the contract, then yeah, the university can say, you know, okay, cool, we're we're cool with this forty thousand, or you need to match this, or they can just go find another partner yeah. that will pay them that amount or more. I mean, it's just, you know, 
sure. You know, I know that some people probably aren't super happy with the thought of all of the business side of college athletics and, oh, it's going to turn into a business. Well, guess what? It's kind of been a business for a long <laughs> time now. It makes billions of dollars. Come on. There you go. Eric, you said you had a thought. Yeah. I, I honestly don't think that's crazy what he said. I think well, businesses I, yeah. could look at that and say, we can find cheaper deals with athletes than we can with schools. Well, I'm not saying that they can't. I'm just saying this for him to throw that out there, if I'm a student athlete, I'd be like, well, I'm going to go get that money, and you can pound sand, essentially. Yeah. <laughs> but it does – that will hurt the athletic department. Because that sure. money that they're getting from Cash Valley Cheese, hypothetically, is going towards non, you know, big two sports in men's college basketball and well, men's college football. It's a state school being subsidized by student fees right now. So that's another. Right. But also <laughs> a, a portion of their athletic department's fees have to go towards the programs that, yeah, that they right. run. Yeah. The revenue sports definitely provide the, the, the funding for the non-revenue sports. I know. But, I, you I, know, it's it's the kind of thing where, look, if if, if you're taking a, a 20% pay cut from one of your sponsors. You'll survive. Yeah. that Like, that doesn't, you know, drop any of your income from TV deals, from ticket sales, from apparel sell. You know, it's, it's, it's really going to be, you know, to me it sounds like it's actually a pretty small piece of the pie that they'd be losing out on in that hypothetical situation now if it snowballs and cascades out of control which it can i think i don't think it's likely but it's a possibility yeah um you know that is something that they would need to you know at that point be concerned about and i'm sure that you know because these are all just interim policies i'm sure that these discussions will be had if they're not being had already yeah, no, there's going to be plenty. Um, in interest of time, I'm going to move forward and play some stuff from Tom Homo here. Uh, so Tom Homo joined DJ and PK. This was on Thursday morning, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, very interesting thoughts from him, and he was very upbeat about the potential for name, image, and likeness for BYU student-athletes. They actually announced their Built for Life program that they're that's going to be part of the NIL, is going to be part of it, it's kind of the, the cornerstone of it. They actually announced that at their media day, to BYU's credit, they've been ahead of this. They've been getting ready for it. They they knew it was coming. Well, he talked about just the kind of how the opportunities early on here, because what we were July third, it became quote unquote legal to make money July first. So it's still very very early on in this. But he had, he talked about those opportunities for BYU's student athletes. What jurisdiction or power or influence and all that stuff is the university going to have? over kids as they start to go because we've seen already a couple on social media basically say, hey, I'm available, let me help you? (laughs) Um, It's a very good question. We feel that it's our responsibility to help educate them and train them. There's ways we can do that. I think a lot of these young people are in for a a great learning experience, which will come with some good experiences and some really tough experiences. Right now, that's what we're trying to do with Built for Life is to accelerate programs that will help them learn how best to deal with these types of opportunities to make money. Uh, As you two and I know who have been at this for a long time, the best way is not to say, hey, come, I'm available, come get me. You graduate, 
you get a great degree, you go out and get a good job, and you go to work five days a week from nine to five. That's how you start making money. From there, you know, maybe some creativity, some good breaks, some good uh, elbow grease, and you, you make a, a, a bigger amounts of money. But I think the key thing is trying to help them understand and prepare them for a job. So do you have companies already contacting your kids or your coaches and administrators? Are you already hearing from the community about wanting to get on board with this? I mean, BYU is a pretty powerful brand, but it's especially a pretty powerful brand within 10 or 20 miles of campus. Yeah, I think the answer to that question is yes, 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 but in minimal um, opportunities. Some of our um, some people's companies in the state have come to us ahead of time. We're friends with them and said, hey, we would like to be involved in this. We think that we could use a few athletes, and we'd like to, in advertising. That's something that's kosher. You can, work, you can make that work. I think there's other people that are not coming to us, and they're just going right to the athletes, which is legal. That's fine. The issue that's really it's hard for us to deal with is we're, I feel like I, mean, I love these kids, and we're with them a lot. We have a lot to do with their growth and development during this period of time in their lives. And I just know that there's a lot of unscrupulous people out there that are going to take advantage of them. And that's why I'm saying with Built for Life and with the things that we're going to do with NIL behind the scenes, not just seeing how much money they can make, but we're trying to prepare them for these experiences that they are going to have if they get involved. Some are going to be great. And some are going to be really bad. Some interesting thoughts there from Tom Homo. And I, I actually appreciate what he's saying there. They, they want these student-athletes to understand the ramifications of what they're going with. Because there's now tax implications for the money they're going to make. Like There's a lot of these student-athletes that they, they're they seeing, uh, I think, a little bit myopic probably the wrong term. But it's just a very narrow view right now. Like, ooh, I can make money. And I think guys like Tom Homo, the athletic departments themselves, these these administrators at Utah State, Utah, BYU, et cetera, they can say, hey, Kate, yes, you want to make money. We get that. But also understand, here are the ramifications of what you're doing. Yeah, I think that, you know, he, he brings up a lot of good points. And, you know, I think a lot of this stuff will be discussed as they work towards a more permanent set of guidelines mm-hmm. you know because again as we've said multiple times these are just the interim yeah um but whether it's congress whether it's the ncaa themselves there are some things that i think can be and should be addressed i thought it was interesting that he talked about you know some advertising partners will come to the university and say hey we want to use some of your athletes sometimes they'll go directly to the athletes themselves um you know and i think that that kind of creates an interesting potential issue um you know especially when you consider that you know in in byu's case they there are specific nil rules for what kinds of products they can and cannot endorse Mm -hmm. and if they're going directly to the student athlete enforcement of that becomes a little bit tougher yeah um you know I mean, it doesn't become impossible because they're likely posting it on their social media and all you have to do is monitor their social media and make sure that there's no, uh, you know, substances or beverages or things like that that are 
non BYU approved that are showing up on there. Um, but yeah, he, he he brought up a lot of interesting points that kind of have my brain turning now about okay, well yeah, here are some potential loopholes. Here's some kind of flaws in the system that I'm sure will get addressed. And they're going to be exploited. Yeah. They're like, trust me, there are people out there who have very ill intentions that are going to go after some of these athletes. And as Tom said, some of them are going to be great interactions. Other ones are going to be bad. And also later on in that interview, by the way, you can listen to both those interviews. Go to 1280thezone.com. You can hear the entirety of both of them or just find them podcast Why search out Hens and Scotty or DJ and PK in the morning on your podcast provider of choice. You can listen to the entirety of those conversations. But he later on in that interview, he said that there are going to be some lessons learned here. There are going to be hard lessons for these student athletes. They're going to yep. get in with somebody that is going to do something, and they're going to have they're going to learn a lesson from that. Yeah. And it's you're trying to guide them. You're because like, like you said, there. And trust me, I know people who are going straight to the student athletes. They are cutting the university out of it completely. And I also get why they're doing it. But at the same time, these student athletes, they've got to be smart. Yeah. And I think that one of the considerations that they, you know maybe should build into the nil rules or maybe it's a university by university process but you know build in some kind of mandatory athletics department sponsored meeting Mm -hmm. on here are some of the financial implications of what you're doing you know we're going to teach you financial literacy we're going to we want to make sure that you're prepared yeah you know maybe even just make it a required class for all athletes you know each university we're going to teach you these kinds of things. You're going to get graded based on this. And, you know, I think that those kinds of things could help the athletes out in the long run if the universities decided to to offer it as a, a form of protection of their own athletes. And I, and I can tell you this much. I do know that BYU has been having meetings like that, and they will continue to. They And I'm sure every other athletic department out there is going to do mm-hmm. it because – there's liability concerns on all sides of this issue. Yeah. And do you want these student-athletes to be as smart as possible? Because, like, as you mentioned earlier on today, there are still rules in place. This is not just a free-for-all. This is not a frenzy where you can, hey, ex-athlete over here, star quarterback, I'm going to give you $10,000 because I want to give you $10,000. No, there's got to be a trade. Like, it, there's, it's not just pay-for-play. Right. So, yeah, it's, I mean, you know, there's a lot of hurdles to go over and, you know, a lot of different kinds of things. I still maintain that this is a very positive development. I think this is a great thing overall. Um, you know, and anybody that's pointing out and saying, well, look at all these loopholes that open up potential problems. There's always going to be loopholes. If you're, if you don't think that the old system had loopholes, (laughs) then you weren't looking very closely. Your your head's buried in the sand. Yeah. And so whether people are exploiting loopholes or if they're outright cheating, cough, cough, Arizona state, um, (laughs) among others. Yeah. Among others, they're just the most recent and notable and blatant. Blatant, yes. Good point. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's been happening since college sports have been a thing. And so it's going to continue to, you know, it's about time that we started to allow these students to at least get a piece of that pie, even if it does open up potential pitfalls for them as well. Yep, it'll be interesting to track it all. All right, let's take a break here. We'll come back on the other side, get to our five minutes of. We'll talk some sake. We'll recap everything going on with the 60 and 60 countdown this week. So plenty to get to ahead right here on the Saturday show. It may be the weekend. 
but there are no days off for the Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Saturday Show. Can't wait. Can't, can't, can't wait. It's all weekend, baby. <laughs> On 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the Zone Sports Network. Winding down towards the end of the show, but having fun along the way. Now it is time for five minutes of, and of course, we're going to take our weekly staple. And by the way, this is such a brilliant idea. I gave Clint uh, Peterson the credit. He came up with the idea. We're going to get to five minutes of Saki. Take it away, Eric. The falling through the neutral zone. Here's Suzuki rounding it back off. And then a nice defensive play made by Braden Point. Andre Pallott down the left wing. The redirect scores! Eric Chernak gives the Tampa Bay Lightning a 1 0 lead in game one. Stuck service in towards the near post and it's turned in! Rail Solik opening the scoring through Justin Glenn. Simple corner, simple goal. And Salt Lake, who hit the front. It's Ayazabo, and that will do it for Spain. Put through something of an emotional angle. But Spain are through to the semi-finals at Switzerland's expense. It's brutal out here. From him is Jack Grealish playing in there. They still are going to have a chance here to tie with the run right down the middle. Gavranovic. Gavranovic has scored. This time there's no flag. Switzerland mirror Croatia with late heroics. And we're heading for extra time. There you have it. Looking back on the week that was in both soccer and hockey. And Lundy, I actually watched a part of the Canadians. Uh, well, they had an epic run to the Stanley Cup final. <laughs> but Tampa Bay has just said, yeah, the run's ending here. Yeah, this is. Uh, I wish that I could say I was surprised. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's. It was a good run, Montreal. You know, I wanted the Habs to win, but I honestly didn't think that they would. And so it's been, uh, yeah. We'll see that come to a close. Monday night is when game four when is. Game four. It should okay. be a sweep for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Uh, if if they don't Ouch. close it out, if they don't close it out on Monday, they'll finish out the gentleman's sweep in game five. What makes Tampa Bay so good? By the way, because of all places, Tampa Bay has the best hockey team in the world. Like, come on now. You know, yeah, they they've just put it together well. You know, the, these past couple of years, you know, and it looked like they might get unseated kind of a little bit early. You know, they didn't finish as dominantly as some people expected. Yeah, but they 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 know when to to turn it on, and that's in the playoffs. 
and they they're they're going for it. They're gonna get a back-to-back Stanley Cup, which is not common. It's 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 tough to do that. Built from the back too. Best uh, goalie in the league in Andre Vasilevsky, and one of the better defensemen in the league in Victor Hedman. Plus okay. a ton of fu- firepower up front. But this, this is kind of how it goes. I think Alex and I know this is you get these teams, and the way the NHL works is it's not like the NBA where teams can last like three or four years or five even sure. with like the Warriors. Like you have a three-year window. And this is this is about that for Tampa Bay. They've probably got one more year after this, and then the salary cap really starts to constrict in the NHL, and we'll we'll see a new person. But it, it actually has been. A, we have seen a lot of back-to-back champions within the past twenty years. About five actually, and the last one was the Pittsburgh Penguins in twenty sixteen and twenty seventeen. Yeah. Sidney Crosby, Sid the Kid. It's it's tough to do, but like yeah, like you said. The NHL, you don't establish a dynasty very often. Gotcha. You know, I mean, and if you do, it lasts for like three years. Because yeah, the most you had like the Kings and Blackhawks had mm-hmm. like a shared dynasty. I would say for right. about four or five years, they were the representatives from the Western Conference. Then it kind of shifted to the Pittsburgh Penguins. They were in there. It's been kind of all around for the last few years, and then recently, the Tampa Bay Lightning have right. really. Which, I mean, you take a look at the air quotes dynasties that the NHL has had and mm-hmm. where those teams are now. You know, like the Chicago Blackhawks, not anywhere. You know, I mean, it was a quick fall from, you know, quick rise, quick fall. Uh, the Detroit Red Wings for uh-huh. a long time were considered the powerhouse, you know, and they've been, they've, they disappeared. And, and I mean, you even know. like the Dallas Stars, they were in the finals last year, didn't even make the playoffs this yeah. year. Yeah. You know, I mean, Really gone, sadly, are the days of when you would have, like, you know, the 1980s Edmonton Oilers. Sure. You know, well, that, the, the Red Wings of the 90s. Yeah. They, was it 20 straight years they made the playoffs or some such? Something like that. But, you but know, even when they were making the playoffs every year, yeah, they, you know, they were not making deep sure. runs. You used to have kind of dynasties maybe earlier on. I mean, the Montreal Canadiens, you know, yeah, they're back in the Stanley Cup playoffs now. They used to be a dominant program and really haven't been for a long time. So it's there. There is a lot of parity in the league, and so it, it's, you know, congratulations to Stan or to uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning mm-hmm. on their inevitable Stanley Cup this year. Uh, I just don't see any way that they could possibly lose more than one game in this, and I don't think that they'll even lose that. Well, we'll see what happens. Uh, it's, it, it's been fun to see uh, what the Habs have been able to do because they were, were – did you say they were the last, like literally the last team into the playoffs, essentially, Yeah, there's a record? Yeah, the, the, the Montreal Canadiens were basically, you know, for all intents and purposes – it was different this year where it was, you know, kind of four mini brackets instead of two east-west. Um, but, yeah, they were essentially the last seed. They were okay. the final seed. They would have been the eight seed. Jeez. Okay. Well, yeah. So we'll see what happens. Tampa Bay looks like they're on their way. There's no doubt about that. But uh, one, a couple of notes real quick on soccer before we move on to the 60 and 60s that Real Salt Lake is in action tonight. They're hosting LAFC. And most people, I think, when they hear the name LAFC, expect them to be near the top of the standings right now. LAFC is actually behind RSL currently. They just haven't had a really kind of scuttling start to the season. Um, also, as Eric mentioned in my ear, 
Oh, okay. England is in action in the Euros right now. They're up 1-0, I believe, on Ukraine in the quarterfinals of that tournament. Uh, we'll flip it over to that here in a moment. But Real Salt Lake tonight, very interesting matchup. Uh, by the way, the uniforms that they're wearing tonight, they're calling their Americana uniforms. I got to say, though, I see the uniforms that RSL is going to win uh, is going to wear tonight. They have kind of a wavy uh, pattern, like as if it were the uh, the American flag. All I see when I see it is the New England Revolution, who are in yes, MLS. Thank you. Like their logo is what is that. what RSL's wearing tonight. So they're wearing another team's logo. And they're literally all the same. Yeah, they, they released it for every single MLS team, and they. That's all what happens when like you have a single England entity uh, ownership, like the MLS is built like. Mm-hmm. But it's just kind of funny. So uh, that match scheduled for eight o'clock Mountain Time tonight, LAFC against Real Salt Lake. You can watch it on KMYU, the KSL TV app, or stream it on ESPN Plus, depending on where you might be. As I mentioned, England up one nothing currently on Ukraine. The quarterfinals of UEFA Euro twenty twenty. Uh, big opportunity for England, by the way. If they win this, uh, they've been playing a lot of their matches in this tournament at home at Wembley Stadium, which is one of the more famous stadiums in the world. They win this. Guess where the semifinals are at? Wembley. They had to go back home and play in front of their home fans. Oh, man. So they're playing in Rome right now. So we'll see what happens. I would expect Ukraine's a decent squad, but England should take care of them in this match. All right, so there you go. Five minutes of with regards to Saki. Now let's talk a little about the 60 and 60, your weekly update of where uh, things stand as we count down the top 60 players in the state of Utah. I know you guys did an update last week, so we're kicking off this week our rundown, starting with number 48 in the countdown, Shaq Bond. He is a safety for the Utah State Aggies. I actually quite like Shaq Bond's game. I just feel like he gets overmatched at times because he's, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Right. Yeah, I think that, yeah, that's a great way to put it. You know, he's got a lot of talent, but sometimes, you know, it, it's hard to be, you know, kind of a, a standout if you're getting matched <laughs> against a lot of your team's best, up, up, you know, best wide receivers if they're really putting those kinds of matchups on you, uh, which he takes from time to time, you know, and so it's it's tough. It's It's tough, but I think that it's, I like this ranking for him, number 48. Yeah. Five foot eleven, one hundred and eighty-five pounds. That's actually quite small for a safety uh, in all reality, but he does a pretty good job overcoming that. I'm with you on that. At number forty-seven, uh, we get to Devin Kafusi. Very interesting ranking here because Devin, obviously a transfer from BYU to the U, he has now changed positions as well up at Utah. At six foot seven, two hundred and seventy pounds, I have it on pretty good authority. He weighs more than two seventy currently. He's almost tipping three bills now. He's playing defensive tackle now for the University of Utah. Yeah, you know what? And it's it's no surprise to see a lot of University of Utah defensive linemen that'll end up making their way on onto this list. Oh, we got another one coming up here in a moment. Yeah. You know? Um but yeah, Devin Kafusi. I'm really excited to see how he, you know, translates to this new position on this new team. Uh and I think that, you know, I think I had him in a relatively similar position on my ballot. So um, I think that this is a great a great fit. And I think, you know, I'm excited to see what kind of season he has upcoming. It will be interesting because we all know the legacy of especially interior defensive linemen for Utah. It's really rich. A lot of guys going to the next level. Kafusi's mm-hmm. very, very tall. Like I said, 6'7". Yeah. 6'7", six, seven. Six, seven, trying to throw over that in the middle but we're going to talk about another guy who's pretty tall in the middle for utah here in a minute but let's get to number 46 here baylor romney quarterback for byu one of the trio that is competing to replace zach wilson 
Uh, Baylor's an interesting case here, Lundy, because I think a lot of people expect that Jacob Conover and or Jaron Hall are probably the favorites to win this job. But Baylor Romney, if he wants, if he, let's say he had to pitch the coaching staff at BYU, all he's got to say is, hey, Boise State came in here on a very rainy night when you guys literally were dragging bottom with regards to just availability of players. And by the way, I led him to an upset of Boise State. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no. Mike, drop, walk out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Baylor Romney has a resume. Yeah. Like, you know, it's, it's not that he's an unknown coming off the bench. He's shown what he can do, mm-hmm. and so you know he's he's getting an opportunity to compete, which he should. And you know it's BYU fans should be aware of what he's able to do because, like you said, he's he's gone out and he's done it. And so we'll see if he's able to to show more of that in fall camp and you know really on the on the practice field as well as the playing field convince the, the the coaching staff that he deserves a shot yeah amongst the trio that are competing down there he's got the most playing time he was the primary backup last year he played the garbage time minutes when zach wilson came out of the game uh, he's played plenty in 2019 as well i like his game i've talked to some people down there in provo who say that the biggest thing he has about him is he is unflappable truly he gets into a game and he stays level-headed there's no up or down with him and it's actually it's almost infuriating at times because you really wonder if he's uh, being truly passionate about the game. That's just the way he goes about it. He's just a cool cucumber out there on the field. All right, number 45, as we mentioned, another tall uh, interior defensive lineman for the University of Utah, Viane Mowala, a uh, product of Tafuna High School in American Samoa. I really like Viane Mowala's game. The biggest thing for him, though, is it's been waiting on him to finally break out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, he – he and it, it's – really tough to break out on the defensive line at Utah because there's so much depth and so much competition but like you said you know again height Mm -hmm. you know I mean if you try to imagine him and Devin Kafusi sharing the middle together yeah Kafusi 6'7 Vianne Moala 6'6 just by virtue of them you know getting a hand up even in there at that height already Mm -hmm. opposing quarterbacks aren't going to be able to throw over the middle yeah, like you know, and it's not be you know. I mean, Utah has a lot of depth and talent at linebacker, and we'll get to that later down the line in the sixty and sixty. But those linebackers won't even have to play much in as far as pass coverage because there's going to be a lot of batted balls with that kind of height at the line of scrimmage. Yeah, and it's now or never for Vianney. Yeah, he's a senior this year, so you got to go out and prove it this year. And I'm intrigued by his uh, his abilities on the field because most coaches will tell you that guys who are 6'6 or 6'5 and above playing defensive tackle it becomes an issue with leverage yeah because because offensive line will get underneath you yeah they're not able to maintain that low point of but yeah it is integrity is one of those buzzwords Yeah, so I, I I'm I'm intrigued by him. I we'll see what happens. But as you mentioned, the fact that you're going to have a six foot seven and a six foot six defensive tackle tandem out there, you put your hands up. Yeah, you're pushing nine feet, and all of a sudden, quarterback's like, where am I supposed to throw it here? Yeah. <laughs> so pass protection, it's interesting. Run protection, like you said, because uh, because of the leverage that does kind of raise some some potential flags. Yep. Uh, talking about another guy, our final one this week is Dalton Kincaid, a transfer from the University of San Diego at the FCS level where he was a two-time All-American, truly was too good for that level, in all honesty. Transfers to the University of Utah, has not done a lot so far as a Ute. He's only been there for a year, but I can tell you this much. 
knowing the staff up there, they rave about his ability. I'm big. I'm big on this guy. Okay. I, 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 I'm a big fan. When Hans and Scotty were talking about him yesterday, I, I got a little bit hyped. I He runs a 4-5-40, they were saying. Kyle Whittingham thinks that he's one of the more talented tight ends he has on the roster. Uh, you're talking about a roster that holds Brant Keithy, who's likely going to be an NFL guy. Uh, I think that Cole Fotheringham better watch out in camp because I, I think this guy's going to be the number two tight end. Hey, leave Padre Hamon alone. Come on. He just got married. Yeah. Congratulations, <laughs> by the way, to Chad Fotheringham. Yeah, the, uh, yeah, but like like you said, I mean, Utah has a lot of skill and depth at the tight end position. Tons. And so, yeah, Dalton Kincaid, Cole Fotheringham, uh, the Brand Brand Keithy. Keithy. Uh, like, I mean, right there, that's, that's already a very competitive position and a very deep, you know, Utah is going to utilize this tight end position a lot this year. Uh, Andy Ludwig is really going to to do a lot with that and you know be prepared to see them use Dalton as well as those other guys in some interesting formations as well where it you know might not even be the, just the true tight end where they act more like an like an H back mm-hmm. you know or sometimes even a fullback. Yeah. Um we're going to see I think Dalton on the field a good amount this year. He is a very good player. I'm going to make the statement about the tight ends just in state overall. The tight end position in the state of Utah might be the deepest position of all positions across all the different universities. Oh, I'm yeah. telling you, Utah goes three deep easily here. And we're not we're, Thomas Yasmin is not even on this list in the conversation. Mm-hmm. You go up to Utah State, Carson Terrell, I really like him. Down at BYU, I, I, they go potentially five deep at tight end in terms of guys who can get on the field and contribute. Tight end is just a luxury here in the state of Utah yeah. right now. So. You're gonna see a lot of tight end. A lot. Of, they're gonna be using multiple formations. And um, by the way, one thing, Eric, on the whole Brant Keithy thing, it's not he might be. No, he will be in the NFL. Yeah. End of story. <laughs> All right, so yeah, I, this is a very deep position. I can tell you this much: Dalton Kincaid. There's a lot expected of him. I'm excited to finally see him in a bigger role for the University of Utah. All right, we will wrap up the show next. This is the Saturday show right here on the Zone Sports Network. <laughs> The weekend is here, and we're breaking down the teams that you're passionate about. Oh, really? This is the Saturday Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. And now... An act in three parts. The story of Yacht's Friday night. A dramatic Twitter reading. <clears throat> All right, folks. I had raisin canes for the first time. 45-minute wait for entering the line to get my food. Not my jam to wait that long for food of any kind. But I will say, the chicken was good. Fries were trash, though. I'll go again, but will not wait. 45 minutes again for it. Later that evening. Late night, lifting in my basement. Crank up the tunes and let's pump some iron. Later that night. Workout done, but regretting my choice of chicken fingers for dinner as I lay here on the ground. Hey, phrasing! (laughs) Wow. 
Oh man. Well done, Eric. I, like, I had no like you. Wow. Okay. Well done, sir. Eric, you never cease to to impress me. Like it is just remarkable. This this closing segment has turned into one of my favorite things because I never know where he's going with it. I just know that he's taking a shot at somebody. <laughs> and good. It, you know, for once it wasn't me. There, but there you go. that was a. Uh, and I just, oh, man, it does my heart good to always have that song playing as well. Just it's a great song. Oh, no man, I, I love it. But true story. I did have Raising Cane's for the first time last night. I have been trying to lose some weight and working on things, be eating relatively clean and kind of broke out of that to try Raising Cane's. Been lifting last night. Whew. Yeah. Lifting after a cheat meal is is no joke. It's uh Yeah. It it it, it beat me up pretty good. Let's just yeah. put it that way. I usually like well and I mean the past six months have been nothing but cheat meals for me, but <laughs> I, I tend to uh you know, if I have a cheat meal, it's followed very shortly after by a nap, and that's how I kind of recover from it. Not a bad idea. I should have done that, honestly. But raising canes, I gotta say, pretty good. Uh, the the hype I was worried was gonna ruin it. I'm a Popeyes me. man through and through. Can't 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 be allowing. <laughs> Popeyes you to... is great. Uh, trust me, I I would probably still pick Popeyes if I were if you. But I I came away from because I trust me, I'm a guy when you hype things up as much as some people can hype things up, it can ruin ruin stuff for me. So yeah, I totally get that. That's that was the movie Inception for me. Oh, there you it, go. Yes. You know, I don't enjoy that movie because everybody hyped it. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that is going to do it for this edition of the Saturday Show. It's been a fun show. We've had a lot of fun. It's been, been great. Bouncing from thing to thing to thing. But, hey, we'll do it again in a week's time. Um, until then, have a great week. Of course, tune in to DJ and PK, Hans and Scotty, and the big show throughout the weekday hours here on The Zone. And, of course, we'll be back next week right here on the Saturday Show. Yeah, smoke them all